I'm excited about continuing on in this series and looking at different Scripture passages about the words that we speak. Because, as we talked about last week, words are very powerful things, aren't they? Say yes, Pastor Mark. Yes, they are. Your words are powerful. All of our words are powerful. We talked about how God spoke into existence all of creation and about how how Jesus was the Word that God sent into the world to connect us with Him in a, a very real and powerful way. We talked about the words at Pentecost that, that the people of God, moved by God's Spirit, spoke unintelligible to one another, and yet they all were on the same page of understanding one another. Think about the power of words. What about the words, I have a dream? Wow, talk about a, a generational and, and national few words that set a tone and, and pitched a vision for a different world in the way in which we live. Words are powerful things, not just on big, memorable levels, and not just in the Bible, but in our daily lives as well. And today we want to talk about how to use our words to be a witness for God to be about God's purposes and to make a difference in the world. Uh, Very briefly, to tell you a little context from Colossians, this letter was one of 14 that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament. It's considered one of four uh, prison epistles because he was imprisoned in Rome at the time while he was writing this letter. We'll talk about that in a minute and its significance But for now, simply to say that he wrote these words to a church in a small town in modern-day Turkey, gave to them sense of wisdom of how to live out, through their words, a witness for Jesus Christ. It's God's word for us today, and we listen and we hear. A few touchstones that he hits upon that are important for us to hear about our words, and the first of those is, Plain and simple preparation. Are we prepared to use our words for the gift of God that they were created to be? Or do we just let them drone out of our mouth as they come from our brain? Are we in tune with God? And are we listening and in touch with God in such a way to be set up and prepared to be a gift of God? In all that we do is the inner part of us, the heart of us prepared. Paul ask the people, and encourages them, devote yourselves to prayer and being watchful and and thankful. Do you have a spirit of thankfulness about you that lets you see things around you that you can give thanks to God to other people about through them? Do you have a prayer life in which you listen to God and humbly set yourself before Him every day and say, God, show me the way to where I need to go and what I need to say today? Spiritual preparation is is more important than anything else for the believer and follower of Christ and being ready for what is facing us in the week ahead. For those that we will encounter, those that are around us, it's important. Now I have a picture of Paul that um that I'll put up there and Cameron, you're a little bit behind. There's the first point. There's Paul. Preparation. Paul was in the latter part of his life when he wrote this letter. We think he was executed at about age 60 or 59 because he preached the gospel boldly and he offended the wrong people. He was a Roman citizen and went to Rome to be tried and 
the Roman emperor was not very favorable at that time for Christians. He was the leader of, of many churches, Paul was, and many of his followers and leaders of the churches he began came there to visit him and to ask his advice. He is in the latter part of his life, and he's become wise to the ways of the world and the ways in which God can impact and change that. Paul has a, a tremendous history. This, this young man was, was Saul at first and grew up in a very privileged life with wealth and with great influence in his family. His father was a Roman citizen and passed that privilege on to him. And you could only gain that citizenship by great wealth or, or great heroic deeds on the battlefield or being some tremendous influential public figure. And Paul had all the right pedigree and the great education and he was a Jewish man like Jesus was and he rose through the ranks in the, the Jewish network under Gamil, one of the great rabbis of that time. He was on his way to success as a religious leader, and was about the business trying to stamp out these crazy Jewish people that were talking about the rabbi Jesus that was crucified, but rose again and was among them. He was trying to religiously stamp down something of God when suddenly he was stamped down. And, and God's grace spoke to him, and faced with the voice of God, he heard that his Life was bankrupt and empty without love for his fellow human beings. Paul was struck down. His life took a course correction. And if you've ever been at that point before where you realize that being religious and being living on my own account only is not enough to really experience God, you know that there's a release and a freedom of, of grace that comes when we are in touch with God in a new way. Paul is in prison and he's look, looking back over his life and he's, he's saying to us, think about your heart because out of that, as Jesus said last week in our scripture, will come the overflow of your mouth. Be in prayer and be, be intentional and be focused, Paul says. Another touchstone that he hits upon is conversation. He talks about our conversations and the things that we speak of with others, the words with which we engage. I love how he says it, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of your opportunities. And then this, let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you will know how to respond to everyone. Let your conversation be be seasoned with salt and full of grace. Paul's talking about that grace that he experienced through, through the risen Christ of knowing that all that he had done wrong in life was forgiven. That he did not have to live up to his and the world's expectations of perfection. That simply he could trust in the cross of Christ and the grace, love, and mercy of God. And that would be good enough. Do that, he's telling the listeners and us, and your conversations will change altogether because no longer will you be looking through your eyes for, for what's wrong with people. No longer will you be saying, what can I get out of that person or this person? Or how can I manipulate them in such a way that the end goal will be what I want? 
but to humble ourselves at the cross under the grace of God that we've been given transforms our heart and our desire to seek out conversations in grace. You know, we don't have to take enough time just to converse, do we? You know, to just sit and talk. We're busy doing our own list and getting through everything we've got to do. And sometimes just to sit around as we used to do before the days of air condition and sit on the front porch as neighbors would visit with neighbors or gather at someone's house, maybe grandma's on Sunday afternoon when, when we weren't in such a hurry or didn't have such an agenda to to just sit and eat and visit and maybe take a nap on the couch or for the kids to just play. We don't take enough time for conversation that is centered in simply the grace that offers us peace in our lives. And Paul reminds us to do that. But he also says, let your words, let your conversations be seasoned with salt. And you know what he's talking about there, right? Not about Sunday dinner and the food that you will eat later in the day. He's talking about being the salt of the earth. Listen to what he said in Matthew, Jesus, teaching his Sermon on the Mount. He said to his listeners, you are the salt of the earth, meant to bring out all of God's seasoning around you. And if salt loses its salty taste, then how can it ever be made salty again? It becomes no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on underfoot on the path. Jesus is talking about being different in the world, representing God from all of the other agendas that are out there. And he continued on talking about this being salt and, and being light and God's love where he said um, in the next verse, you are the light of the world. You are like a town that is built upon a hill that cannot be hidden from sight. As people approach, you're like a lamp that is lit up and set up on a stand so that everybody can see, and throughout the house it gives light, not like a lamp that's been put under a bowl. And so just like that, he said, your light should shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Is your conversation filled with with grace? and with light that others may see God shining through you. It's what we're challenged and what we are called to do. And I don't know about you, but I think we live in an age of of outrage where people get offended at the least smallest thing, and people are tense talking to one another. Why not just accept people for where they are and who they are, and love them and talk to them and show them that, that, just like you, they're worthy of the love of God. Paul says, use your words to lift others up and build them up and and show the light of Christ to be a witness for Christ through everything that you say and do. And you may think, well, I don't have much influence in the world. Maybe a family member or two at home and I have a person or two I work directly with at work or at school I'm in class in a seat beside four or five students. I have a small group of friends maybe or or a lunch table that I go and eat at, what possible difference could I make through my words? How could I be a witness for God and shine that light and be salt to the world and extend grace to others? Sometimes it is simply acknowledging the other people that are around us and letting them hear the words of God through us. Do you hear that? 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Wherever you are at home or around the people that you will encounter in the week to come that you know are in your circle, can you simply be the Word of God to them? Because if you let grace rule in your heart and if, if you set out to make a difference, then God's oil will burn within you as Holy Spirit. And the fruit of that Spirit will come shining out to all around. The fruit such as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of those fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes in Galatians about are your words. Is your conversation seasoned with salt? And do you know how to answer everyone in a spirit of grace? The last thing that Paul speaks of, the, the final touchstone I want to speak of from the Scripture today is, is the word opportunity that he throws out there. Did you hear how he said it and the context in which he put it? Be wise to the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. He's instructing us to not just be concerned about our own and ourselves and in our own church and just people that are here, but to reach outside of our general circles and boldly to go and speak words of life and love to people that we do not know. Do you find that intimidating for yourself? People don't feel very comfortable talking to strangers, I have found. And strangers sometimes don't feel very comfortable getting talked to by other strangers, do they? No, and yet there's a great divide there. A great divide that God's Holy Spirit can guide and direct us and connect us with if we are about the salt and the grace that He calls us to. If we are about the spirit of giving witness through our conversation and our words. I love that every opportunity we take to speak to someone else can be a God opportunity to sow the seeds of the good news of Jesus Christ. You may not think of yourself as an evangelist, and I'm not one that goes out and preaches and speaks all around at different churches or out in the community on street corners. And yet you and I have an opportunity through our words to make a difference in the lives of others we do not yet know and to impact them greatly for the kingdom of God. And it's simply a matter of setting yourself and your own agenda aside to be about the service of God wherever you are and in whatever it is that you're doing. We talked about that in the Sunday school class I was in this morning about Paul's greater purpose that he finds even here in the midst of prison. Can you imagine a more limited audience than being in a cell and having a guard or two only to be in contact with? Maybe a few visitors that he had, like, like Luke, that came and spent time with him as he was there. But listen to what he said. Pray for me that we may be effective in the presentation that we have of the good news of Jesus Christ. You may think your limit is small for influence in the world and that there is nobody that you could possibly say anything to to make any difference for God. But I object to that. If you will humbly place yourself in the grace of God 
And under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, He will point out to you people and give to you words to say that you never imagined possible before and can make a huge, powerful impact and a great difference. I mean, in our homes alone, if, if, if a brother says to a sister because they are not worried about the sibling rivalries or getting what they want in the house or crossing the line in the car, as I remember my kids riding in the back used to always say, don't cross that line. If children, siblings can set those rivalries aside, what can happen? One can say, you want to go do something with me? Hey, I really appreciate all that you do and I'm glad I have you as a brother or sister. I mean, just the simple acknowledgement that they're important to us in the family and, and in life. The people we work with, the students around us at school, the people in the food pantry and thrift store as they come through, to simply acknowledge strangers and, and folks that we have taken for granted all along or don't know has a powerful kingdom effect that we cannot see. And we must never forget that. This past Monday, we had our staff meeting here at the church. And uh, Joy and Danielle and I do that every week. We get together, talk about prayer concerns. We pray for you guys. We talk about the calendar and get everything shifted and ready together. Uh, Lucas is teaching school, so he's not able to be there. Um, but we are trying to coordinate everything to, to be focused spiritually to help lead you guys in the direction of being about the opportunities for, for grace and for being salt to the world. It was my day to do devotion. We do a devotion every Monday. And, and I decided to do one since it was September the 10th, about 9-11, about September the 11th. It's been 17 years, as you probably know, since, since the tragedy and attacks that happened in 2001. And I decided to share devotion about about a certain prayer that I think um, came out of that situation and that tragedy, especially there at the Twin Towers in New York City, powerfully impacting people across that city. But a powerful prayer for us all in being about sharing words of grace and being salt and light. And it is a prayer of, of a priest that day, Franciscan priest who happened to serve a parish across from one of the fire stations there on 31st Street in Manhattan uh, that was on the scene with all the firefighters there as, as planes crashed into the towers uh, on September the 11th. Father Michael, uh, everyone knew him as. And he was uh, blessing those that had been injured, praying for the situation, asking God to intervene and somehow save people in that situation. He had just stepped into Tower 1 when Tower 2 collapsed, and as many people in that lobby uh, found, they were hit by debris and he was killed. And he was taken out by his fellow firefighters, and he was the first registered uh, loss, death of that day. But his prayer that has been passed around since that time really said a lot, not as much about that day, though it was a good prayer for the day, as it did about him. Father Michael was one, they say, that, that went around the city and 
just spread the love and the light of Christ with people everywhere. It didn't matter if they were homeless or if they were down and out, if they were addicts or not right in the head, if they were sick, he would go visit and see anyone. He had a special affinity for those that were different from the rest of the world. And his prayer is, is beautiful and sets the tone, I believe, for how it is it means to be people giving witness with our words. The prayer is beautiful. Uh, Lord, well, let's just pray it together. Will you join with me? Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. That's a beautiful prayer for every day for us to humble ourselves before God and recognize just like everyone else around us, we stand in the need of His grace, His love, mercy, and forgiveness. And if we will allow that condition to set upon our hearts and that attitude of humility and be open to the Spirit's leading to engage others, we can share the kingdom of God upon the earth in a way that we have never seen it develop before. That's the power of our words, and I hope and my desire for you all is that you will be open and about your Father's business in the week to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.